Dead America, Bismarck, Part 2. Dead America, The Third Week, Book 8. Written by Derek Slayton. Narrated by P.J. Morgan. Chapter 1, Day 0 plus 19. The wind off of the Missouri River was brisk, but not overbearing, especially for this time of year. Patches of snow dotted the grassy landscape by the water, hidden beneath shady spots. The weather was cool, though threatening to push over the 40-degree mark. Most of the snow was undisturbed, except for one patch by a trail that led down to the waterfront. The footprints were unmistakably human, but with the off-kilter gait and the dragging of one side, it was clear that it wasn't a living one. Got another one, Miles said, and knelt down beside the tracks, noting the trajectory its maker had been traveling in. Susanna cocked her head, her mid-length black ponytail falling over one shoulder. You sure it's fresh? Miles nodded, running a hand through his sandy blonde locks as he stood. Well, it wasn't here when we did our sweep last night. Let's assume it's a live one then, Emily declared, cradling her hunting rifle in her arms. Probably wandered into the harbor village, she said, pointing to the north where the tracks were headed. Miles shook his head. Amazing how many of those things find their way in there, given there's only one bridge leading to the darn thing. It's like a rat trap, Susanna said. Easy to get in, not so easy to get back out. She brushed a leaf from her fiancé's shoulder that he'd picked up from the brush they'd been hiking through, and he smiled down at her. Been a few days since we cleared it out, Emily piped up, turning to the young couple. Y'all wanna go for it? They looked at each other and shrugged, a silent conversation between them. With the narrow roads in the harbor, it's a bit risky, Miles mused. But it still needs to be done, so let's get it done. Susanna winked at him. Just no swimming this time. Don't gotta tell me twice, he replied, raising his hands. I'm in no hurry to join the polar bear club. His fiancée smirked. Afraid of the shrinkage there, hon? She teased. You're more afraid of it than I am, he shot back with a smile. Y'all keep that up and I'm gonna toss you both in the water to calm down, Emily piped up, but she smiled as they blushed. The trio walked up the road by the river, keeping their eyes peeled for any other zombie activity. They didn't find any more signs of the undead walking, and reached the curve in the road that ran along the edge of the harbor, taking them to the narrow bridge. Looks like it's just one extra straggler, Emily said. Miles shrugged. Well, one that tracked through the snow anyway. Weather's been above freezing for several days now, Susanna cut in so I don't see how much of anything could have gotten across. Emily pursed her lips in thought. This one probably came over right after the snow and got caught on a tree, she suggested. Or it could have already been on this side of things. Regardless, we gotta deal with them, Miles replied. Too many have been coming up to the farms this week. Susanna shrugged, keeping her voice light. They're not a big deal, she said. Just a handful here and there. Not a big deal for us, since we're gun-toting badasses, he declared, puffing out his chest. It looked comical on his wiry frame, and the women chuckled. But for some of those city folk that we pulled out, a lot of them aren't equipped to handle it. 
Well, if they can't handle a little gunslinging, I hate to think what they're going to be like when it comes time to plant and harvest the fields, Susanna quipped. Emily wrinkled her nose. Should probably add back braces and ibuprofen to the shopping list. And earplugs so we don't have to listen to them whine, the younger woman added. Miles raised a hand. I'll take zombie patrol any day of the week over having to organize city folk to do farm work, he said. The trio approached the harbor bridge, a tiny two-lane stretch of pavement that took them over the water. The village on the other side was a collection of about 150 upper-middle-class homes created by a high-end developer several years back. They'd come in and dug out channels to create the man-made harbor so that the businessmen in Bismarck could have a secluded refuge where they could park their boats. Miles focused on one of the main docks across the water, clear of any water vehicles. Really makes you wonder where those people went, he said. My guess would be that they didn't even know, Emily replied. They just saw the chaos that was happening, hopped in their boats and cast off. Susanna shook her head. With the way the weather was, there's a good chance they got stuck somewhere upriver. That's gotta be a horrible way to go, Miles shuddered. Starving on a freezing boat while getting seasick. His fiance cocked her head. Sounds better than having an undead person rip your throat out. I think you're underestimating just how bad I get seasick, he replied, rubbing his forehead. She raised an eyebrow. Is that why you never wanna go fishing with me? I told you, I'll always go fishing with you, Miles said, throwing an arm around her shoulder and giving it a gentle squeeze. Just as long as I can stand on the shore. Susanna barked a laugh. Well, that'll be good, she teased. You can catch the minnows, and I can use them as bait to catch our dinner. And that's why your relationship works, Emily declared. You compliment each other. They shared a chuckle as they came around the bend on the island, reaching the first row of houses. A lone zombie stood in the middle of the road, oblivious to its surroundings. Crimson icicles glinted on its tattered clothes, and its exposed joints were in shambles from constant exposure to harsh weather. At the sound of footsteps, it turned towards the trio, as if slogging through molasses, reaching out a frost-bitten hand and staggering towards them. I got it, Miles said, and pulled a heavy lead pipe out of his makeshift holster. He wound up like a baseball batter, getting in position and waiting for the creature to reach him. As soon as it was within swatting distance, he swung, bashing the zombie's head in with the force of it. The creature's skull crunched, the pipe nearly going halfway through it, and the corpse fell to the ground. Nice hit, babe, Susanna said. He grinned and playfully rubbed his shoulder as if he'd strained it. Yeah, still need to warm up a bit more, but I'll get there. They headed along the main road leading to the western side of the harbor, looking down the side streets for any activity. You think we need to do a thorough sweep? Emily asked. Susanna shook her head. I wouldn't, unless we run into a lot of them, she replied. If we miss one or two, it isn't gonna hurt anything. They headed up the next block and found four zombies mingling around a house. Miles led the casual walk towards them, swinging his pipe at his side. So Emily, how is your daughter doing? He asked as they moved. I can't imagine this is easy for a young teenager. Florence is doing great, actually, Emily replied, 
slinging her rifle over her shoulder and pulling out her crowbar. Thanks for asking. She was always into reading, so with no school, she's just been happy to curl up by the fire and read away. That's good, Miles replied as he reached the first creature and clocked it on the top of the skull with his pipe. You know, if she ever does want to get out of the house, we're still doing a lot of activities at the Prime Dude Ranch. We're doing a lot of survival basics for some of the city folk, but we have fun stuff for the younger set, too. Emily stepped forward and rammed the end of her crowbar through the back of a zombie's head. Not sure she'd be into doing crafts than going camping, she admitted as the body crumpled to the ground. But she might be interested in teaching some of the kids. Oh yeah, we'd love to have her come do that, Miles said, swinging again to deliver a final blow to his opponent. Since she loves to read, maybe she could come do a campfire story time. Susanna approached the other two zombies and cracked a tire iron over the first one's head. A group of us were going to go up to Almont in a couple of days to hit up the library, she said, and twirled around to smack the second ghoul in the face, dropping it. If you'd feel comfortable with Florence going on, we'd love to have the two of you join us. That way she can stock up on whatever books she'd like. She wiped off her iron and holstered it. Thank you, Emily replied with a smile as she holstered the crowbar. I think she'd like that. They looked around down the side street and saw no more zombies, so they headed back up the main road to the north. So how are the city people we rescued doing at the ranch, she asked, learning how to fend for themselves? A few of them are, Miles replied. Got these three guys who are all in a basketball league together, if you can believe it. All of them are super competitive, wanting to outdo the others. They're thriving. The rest, well, he grimaced. Let's just say at least nobody has shot themselves in the foot yet. Susanna chuckled. Not for a lack of trying, from what I heard. That's true, Miles admitted. But honestly, most of them are just happy to get out of their new living situations. Emily nodded. Must be culture shock going from their posh big city condos to living in a farmhouse that was built 80 years ago. We have them spread out pretty good, though, Susanna said. Usually only six to 10 people living on a farm. Could be a whole lot worse if we didn't have so many of the places abandoned for one reason or another. Miles shook his head. This farming season is going to be real interesting. They reached the top of the road where it wound back to the east, to the northern bridge out of Harbor Town. Far in the distance was the Interstate 194 Bridge, the southernmost route out of Bismarck. Miles frowned and pulled his hunting rifle from his back, fiddling with the scope before lifting it to his eye and looking through it. Susanna raised an eyebrow. You see something, hun? Nah, just thought I'd check in on our snowplow barricade, he replied. Make sure there's no trouble. She put her hands on her hips. You know, we're going to be walking up there, right? She asked, amused. That's where we're meeting up with Ernest and Glenn. Yep, but if there's trouble, I'd like to know about it before walking into it, he explained. Susanna shook her head. There hasn't been five of those things on that bridge since we blocked it off, she argued. Miles readjusted the scope before looking through it. Just humor me, hon. Emily tugged on the younger woman's shirt. Free advice for someone who was married for a number of years, she said quietly, though she wasn't really hiding her voice from Miles. Let them have little victories like this, 
Not only does it make them feel like they matter to you, but it also gives you another arrow in your quiver for when you lay into them about all the things you've done for them. Makes it a lot easier to get your way on the big stuff. She winked playfully, and the women threw their heads back with laughter. What the fuck? Miles demanded. Susanna wiped her eyes in her mirth. Don't worry, babe. I would never do that to you. The women continued laughing. After a moment, they realized he hadn't been talking to them, that he'd been staring through the scope, shoulders tense. What is it? Susanna asked, approaching him. Miles handed her the rifle. Snowplow, he said. She lifted the scope to her eye and looked, focusing in on the snowplow. It looked like there was someone sitting on top of it, shivering. And just below them on the bridge side, there were a dozen creatures reaching up, arms outstretched and mouths open in hunger. There's someone on the snowplow, she breathed, dropping the gun to her side. Emily pulled out her walkie-talkie. Ernest, come in, she said into it. How is there someone up there? Susanna demanded. Miles shook his head. Maybe they're just trying to get out of the city, he suggested. She shoved the rifle into his hands and put her palms to her face. That would mean we left someone behind, trapping them in there for weeks. He slung the rifle over his shoulder and wrapped his arms around her tightly. We got everyone we could find, hon, he cooed. We saved a lot of people that day. Ernest, will you come in? Emily demanded. We have a situation. The radio finally crackled to life. Hey, Em, you okay? Ernest asked. Yeah, we're fine, she replied quickly. But you and Glenn need to get down to the I-194 bridge right now. We're still working our way south, so gonna be a little while, Ernest replied. Emily shook her head. There's a survivor. There was a small moment of silence, and then, we'll be there in five. Chapter Two the trio rushed up the interstate towards the bridge, about half a mile from where they'd been watching from. When they got to the edge of the bridge, they paused so that Miles could check through the scope again. There were a dozen zombies lined up shoulder to shoulder, with a few doubling up. All of them focused on the person sitting on the snowplow. He couldn't tell what the age or sex of the person was, as they were wearing a tattered gray hoodie and were curled up, arms around their knees. Good-sized pack of creatures below them, but shouldn't be that hard to take out, he said. Just gotta get them away from the plow. Emily nodded. And the survivor? They're sitting upright, he reported. So unless they froze overnight, I think they're alive. Susanna pulled out her handgun and fired it into the air. This stirred the survivor, and they stood up on top of the plow, removing the hood and turning to look at them. It looked like a young man in his mid-twenties, the morning sun glinting off of brown hair. He waved at them, a big smile of relief on his face, and they waved back. None of the zombies, however, turned towards the shot. Where the hell are Ernest and Glenn? Susanna wondered. Emily shrugged. He said they'd be here in five minutes. Which was 10 minutes ago, Susanna growled. You'd think having a car would make them faster. Miles shook his head. You have met them, right? She wrinkled her nose, but nodded, conceding the point. A few moments later, an engine rumbled in the distance. 
Up the interstate, a beat-up muscle car drove towards them, coated in Apache gray primer and covered in a myriad of dents and bonks. The back window was busted out and covered in chicken wire. The only truly functional piece of it was the engine, which purred like a kitten. I swear that thing looks like it lost a demolition derby, Susanna said, shaking her head. Miles chuckled. Don't kid yourself, hon. That car could drive to hell and back. He cocked his head, amending. Maybe not on a single tank, but it would get you there. The car revved loudly and pulled up to the edge of the bridge, skidding to a stop. Ernest and Glenn hopped out of the vehicle and approached them. Sorry we're late, Ernest said, his short, slight frame looking like it was about to blow away in the wind. He ran a hand through his dyed black hair and motioned to his companion. Hillbilly here wanted to take a shortcut. Glenn pointed a finger at his short friend, towering over him, a sneer on his leathery face. Listen here, city boy, I know this area like the back of my hand. Unfortunately, you're wearing gloves, Ernest shot back. The cowboy held up his hands, looking like he was noticing the light leather gloves for the first time. He jammed his hands into the pockets of his dirt-crusted jeans with a scowl. Yeah, well, my hands get cold. Don't worry, the shorter man said with a smirk. We'll get you back home in time for tea, you dainty doily. Glenn grumbled under his breath and turned to the trio. So what's going on? He finally asked. Miles tossed the rifle over and pointed. The tall cowboy peered through the scope, focusing on the survivor. How in the holy hell? Don't know, Miles shrugged. Glenn handed the gun off to Ernest, who took a look as well, and then handed the gun back to his young friend. Do you think you can pull them away from the plow? He asked, heading for the back seat of the car. He reached into the back seat and pulled out his bright silver-plated twenty-two repeater with a large lever on the trigger. I think we can arrange that, Ernest replied. Susanna raised an eyebrow. Aren't you worried about conserving ammo? She asked. Nah, old city boy will be fine, Glenn drawled. He's the only one content using that pussy twenty-two. Ernest clucked his tongue. I just don't have to overcompensate with my weapon choice he quipped, and before Glenn could put the insult together, he continued. Besides, we found a huge cache of twenty-two ammo last time we went out. I can shoot for days and not worry about running out. He checked his mag, popping in a few extra rounds until it was filled to the max. We ready? The group headed up the bridge and approached a car about thirty yards from the plows. When I'm in position, you start pulling them towards you, Ernest said. I want to make sure my aim isn't anywhere close to the plows. Don't want to run the risk of a ricochet. Hillbilly's already been shot once. Emily turned to the tall cowboy. How is your shoulder, by the way? Stings a little, but I've been managing, Glenn replied, rolling the offending shoulder. Ernest rolled his eyes. Don't let him lie to you, it was a through and through. In the shoulder? Emily gaped. Never underestimate the positive side of supersizing every single meal, Ernest said. Provides a protective layer of fat everywhere. Glenn glared at him, but bit his tongue. Partially because he was right, but mostly because he didn't want the city boy to get riled up. He needed to focus on shooting. Ernest ran up ahead, taking up position behind the car. When he was ready, he gave them a thumbs up, 
The group began yelling and clapping their hands, and Susanna put her fingers in her mouth and let out a deafening whistle. Everyone winced and turned to her in shock. Miles, no matter how far away from home you get, Glenn drawled. She's always gonna be able to call you back with that whistle. Susanna winked. Oh, he knows. They shared a laugh and then continued to yell and hoot. Before long, the zombies at the plow finally started to break away from the survivor and head towards the noise. Ernest steadied himself, waiting for the creatures to cross his line of sight. As soon as they did, he fired and quickly reloaded with the lever action. His aim was pure, catching the zombies in the side of the head, dropping them to the ground. His first five shots were perfectly precise, but the gunfire attracted a few creatures in his direction, preventing him from getting a clear shot. Miles stepped forward with his hunting rifle to help his comrade out of his pickle. He aimed and fired a few times, hitting the zombies that had turned towards the car. Two heads exploded, giving Ernest the chance to duck out of sight, peering through the windows to keep an eye on the cluster of undead. The two shots worked well, drawing the attention back to them. When the bulk of them were across the safe fire threshold, Ernest popped back up and unloaded quickly. One by one, the ghouls dropped to the ground, and in a matter of seconds, the whole battle was over. The short man popped out from behind the car and strolled over to the pile of fallen creatures, making sure all of his headshots had been true. We're clear, he finally reported, and the group headed over towards the plow. The man on top cautiously climbed down, stumbling at the bottom and falling to his knees. Susanna and Emily immediately rushed over to him, helping him back to his feet. His legs were wobbly, and he felt so thin and wiry through his clothes. Are you okay? Emily asked. Water, he rasped. Susanna turned her head. Miles, we need water. Got some in a cooler in the back of the car, Glenn said. On it, Miles replied, and sprinted back down the bridge to the car to grab a bottle, while the girls gently set the man on the ground next to the plow so he could lean back against it. He grimaced as his back pressed against the large tire. You're okay now, Susanna said, brushing his hair back from his face. We've got you. Emily knelt in front of him. Can you tell me your name? It's, it's Matt, he rasped. Just take it easy, Matt, Susanna said gently. You're safe now. My mother, he suddenly gasped, sitting up straight, a wild look in his eyes. Susanna put her hands on his shoulders and eased him back against the plow as he dissolved into a coughing fit. Take a breath, Emily said, her voice level and calm. He took some deep breaths, trying to steady himself, just as Miles returned with a bottle of water. He handed it to Emily, and she opened it for him. Matt took it and chugged half of it in a single gulp, breathing heavy and much clearer afterwards. Has he said anything? Miles asked. Glenn shrugged. Just that his name is Matt, and something about his mother. My, my mother and my little, little brother, the distressed man on the ground said. I need help. Susanna's brow furrowed. Where are your mother and brother? She asked. They're, they're still in town, he stammered. She clenched her jaw and got up 
walking away from the group, facing away. Miles shook his head, knowing she was fighting tears over having left somebody to die when they cleared out the town. Where are they? He asked gently, taking a knee in front of the man. Matt swallowed another gulp of water. The Sand Rock Inn, he replied. I don't know what road it's on, but it's uh, a few blocks east of the capital. You were really close to us a couple of weeks ago, Emily said gently. Why didn't you let us know you were there? He shook his head. We, we just got there last week. Susanna's shoulders relaxed, and she turned back towards the group, calming her self-loathing. My, my mother, brother, and I, we were trying to get through the city, Matt explained shakily, thinking, thinking it would be safer across the river. He took another swig of water. But, but we got trapped. There were way too many of those things. We, we took refuge in the hotel, hoping it would calm down, but never, it never did. He finished off the bottle of water, dropping it to the asphalt beside him as he pressed his palms to his forehead. The food ran out three days ago. I, I had to do something, so I went out to search for food. I ran into a big pack of those, those things and kept coming west. When I saw the plows, I thought, hoped that someone was out there, and, and I was right. He looked up at them. Please, please, you have to help my mother and brother. They can't survive much longer on their own. He dissolved into sobs, sitting back against the tire and melting into a blubbering mess. Emily rubbed his shoulder for comfort, but addressed her group. We gotta do something. You really wanna go back into the city? Glenn asked, running his hands through his dark hair. She shook her head. Want to? She scoffed. Hell no, I don't want to go, but I think we need to. Hell yeah, we're going in there. Susanna snarled, cracking her knuckles. Miles grabbed her shoulders, trying to calm the fire in her eyes. Settle down, hon. You're no good going in there all pissed off. She pushed against him, trying to wriggle free, but he pulled her against his chest, kissing the top of her head, calming her. Ernest clambered up on top of the plow, looking down the other side to survey the eight zombies milling about below. He aimed and popped each of them in the head in rapid succession, like he was at a carnival firing range. He paused, looking both ways, and not seeing much of anything in the way of ghouls staggering about. He hopped back down and rejoined the group. There were a few of those things on the other side, he reported. But even after all the shooting we've done, it hasn't attracted that many of those things. There, Matt stammered through his tears, fists clenched. They're out there, Ernest nodded. I don't doubt it, he agreed. But if we haven't attracted any, they're probably spread out pretty thin. We're fleet of foot, Emily said. We can get in and get out with no trouble. Glenn shook his head. I think we should go get some of the boys from the ranch to help us out. Please, Matt pressed his palms together in prayer. I don't know how much time they have. Miles shook his head. Half of them are doing a supply run to Mott today. That's like a hundred miles from here, Glenn exclaimed. What the hell are they doing out there? The younger man shrugged. Liquor store run? Glenn thought for a moment, 
and then nodded in approval. Yeah, well, that makes sense then. So we're doing this, Emily said firmly. Matt fell into another coughing fit, doubling over and clutching his stomach. Somebody needs to get Matt to safety, Ernest declared. He looks like he needs some rest and food. Miles reached down and took the man's arm. Susanna and I will take him. What? She snapped, crossing her arms. No, I'm going in. Hun, you'll be pissed off, Miles said gently. You don't need to be running around zombies. She clenched her jaw and through clenched teeth said, but I can kill them all. I know that, her fiance said, holding up a hand. We all know that, but you wanna take care of people, right? He waited for her nod before continuing. Then let's take care of Matt. They'll get his family. She took a deep, shuddering breath and let it go, knowing he was right. This would be something that needed stealth, and she was too gung-ho to deal with that today. Glenn pulled out his keys and tossed them to Miles. Now you make sure to take care of my baby, he said, pointing a fat finger at the young man. It's my pride and joy. The younger man gave him a bewildered smile at the state of the old junker, but nodded. And if you guys could bring our truck up from the south of Harbortown, that'd be great, Emily added. Get the sense that we're not going to want to walk back after doing this. Susanna nodded firmly. You got it, Em, she said. We'll put it right here. Miles leaned down and hooked one of Matt's arms over his shoulder, helping him up. They began to move, and then the malnourished man slipped to one knee again. Give me the keys, Susanna suggested. I'll go get the car. He tossed her the keys, and she jogged off as the others began working their way up the snowplow. Thank you, Matt gasped weakly. Thank you so much. Emily smiled down at him. It's our pleasure. We'll get your family. They're on the fourth floor, he said. Room 418. Fourth floor, 418, she repeated with a firm nod. Got it, and don't worry, we'll bring them back safe. She hopped up onto the top of the plow, following the others. Ernest did a quick sweep to make sure nothing was coming, and then hopped down to the ground first. He carefully approached an abandoned truck and checked around and under it before hopping inside. He turned the key, but there was a clicking noise instead of the sweet rumble of an engine. He slapped the steering wheel, clucking his tongue, and then got out of the car. Battery's dead. Well, that's a great way to start things off. Glenn drawled, stroking his bushy beard. Ernest poked him in the arm. You need some exercise anyway, hillbilly. With as much as you run your mouth, city boy, you should be in marathon shape, Glenn shot back. Emily sighed, shaking her head, trying to hide her smile. This is going to be a long day. Chapter Three Emily, Ernest, and Glenn headed along the main road to the east towards the first major cross street in Bismarck. They had to get to the northeast where the capital was and head over to the Sand Rock Inn. As they approached the front edge of the two, there was a pack of 30 zombies at the cross street, about 30 yards ahead. They immediately jumped behind cover on the side of the road. Well, this is turning out to be a grand idea, Glenn muttered. Emily pursed her lips. We really need to find us some transportation, she said. 
There's a big neighborhood to the south of us, Ernest suggested. I know it's in the wrong direction, but hopefully there are some vehicles there. Emily glanced at Glenn for his input. The cowboy shrugged. Well, lead on, city boy, it's your idea. Ernest studied the horde in the intersection, and then spotted trees to the south of them. Let's cut through those trees, he said, pointing. The others nodded and followed him as he broke from cover, leading them across the street. Glenn stumbled as they got to the road, his gun clattering to the ground, and some of the zombies turned to look in their direction, arms outstretched. Good job, hillbilly, Ernest muttered. Glenn didn't respond, simply grunted in reply and grabbed his gun, catching up to his companions as they darted across the road. As they hit the tree line, noises came from within the dense wood. Ernest didn't stop, knowing they didn't really have any other option. He just raised his gun and moved through the trees, leading the pack. There was a ghoul about 10 yards ahead coming around a tree, scraping its exposed shoulder on the bark, leaving some rotting flesh behind. He didn't hesitate, barely pausing his forward momentum, and fired, putting it down with a clean shot to the head. The noise evoked more moans in the woods, putting him on edge. One by one, more zombies appeared, snarling hungrily at them through the trees, and he fired several more times, clearing them a narrow path forward. Keep moving, he hissed. Emily and Glenn kept up with him, staying right on his heels, they darted between trees, moving towards the clearing up ahead. As they approached the tree line, several creatures began to form a horizontal line, blocking their path to the field. Ernest stopped and readied his gun to fire, but Glenn bumped him out of the way, barreling forward and rushing the line of the undead. He lowered his good shoulder and plowed through two of them like a linebacker, sending zombies flying into the air. The other two quickly flew through the hole before it could close around them, and the trio tore for the road by the first house. As they reached it, Ernest turned and fired a few shots, putting bullets into the front few zombies and creating a temporary roadblock. Where are we going, he asked, keeping an eye on their staggering pursuers. Emily and Glenn searched frantically, the latter finally pointing to a four-by-four pickup truck several houses down. Got a truck, let's go he cried, and jogged towards it. Ernest fired off a few more shots before joining them, the trio running for the vehicle. Check under the wheel wells, Emily barked as they reached it. Glenn furrowed his brow as she reached under the driver's side tire, feeling around underneath. For what, he asked. A key, unless you know how to hotwire a brand new truck, she replied. Glenn shrugged and took a tire, and they groped around, hoping to find a magnetic key box, the kind that was popular on late night infomercials. Ernest stood watch as they worked, refilling his rifle with rounds. I got nothing, Emily said with a frustrated sigh. Glenn stood up from the other side of the truck. Me either. You two go inside, Ernest urged. I'll cover you. He watched the 40 or so zombies lumbering towards them, and his companions didn't hesitate running to the front door of the small one-story home. Emily tried the knob, but it was locked. Stand back, Glenn instructed, and as soon as she was out of the way, he plowed into the door. It didn't completely open, but the door frame cracked, and he stepped back, throwing his body into it again, sending the door exploding into the house. 
They rushed in, guns raised, and ran through the house. Glenn came around into the living room and saw a figure in the corner, firing and taking its head clean off. He waited for a moment for any more noise, but there was none. I think we're clear, he called, and Emily returned from the kitchen. Same here, she agreed. He looked around the front lobby. Where the hell would keys be, he wondered. Check every tabletop, and by the front door, she replied, and headed for a line of hooks on the wall next to a mirror in the front hall. There were no keys to be found. She headed for the master bedroom, scanning the dressers and nightstands, but everything was empty. Glenn went into the back bedrooms, finding a pink nursery and a makeshift office. He rummaged around on the desk, finding nothing but a stack of overdue bills and various post-it notes scattered about. I got nothing, he called. Gunfire erupted from outside, slow methodical shots, but it meant that the zombies were closing in. We're running out of time, Emily called back. Keep looking. Where, Glenn demanded. She looked into the living room as he emerged on the other side of it, and then pointed to the corpse in the corner. He let out a sigh. Damn it, just damn it, he muttered, and dropped to one knee to pat the corpse down. He gagged a little over the smell. Christ, man, have you been sitting under a tanning bed since you died? He grunted, and hurried it up, vigorously checking every pocket and fold in the guy's clothes. He finally found a set of keys in the right pocket of the jeans and pulled them free. Got him, he cried triumphantly and stood up. The gunfire picked up pace, and the duo ran full tilt out of the house. Ernest had climbed into the back of the pickup, standing his ground as the creatures hit only 10 yards away. He was rapid firing at this point to hold them at bay. Glenn and Emily paused, surveying the scene in shock. What the hell are you waiting on? Ernest barked, and they snapped back to attention. Glenn hit the unlock button on the key fob, and the sound of the truck clicking in response was a welcome relief. The duo rushed the truck, and the cowboy hopped into the driver's seat, slamming the door on a nearby zombie. Emily slipped into the passenger seat as Glenn pushed the key into the ignition. Please, sweet baby Jesus, he moaned. Don't let the battery be dead. He turned the key, and the vehicle fired up, a pleasant roar that sent their hearts soaring with hope. He reached back and slid the back window open. Sit your ass down, city boy, we're out of here. Ernest quickly complied, plonking down and pressing his back up against the window of the cab. I'm down, let's move, he barked. Glenn threw the truck into reverse, peeling out of the driveway and sending a few creatures tumbling to the ground. There was a horde in the direction they needed to go, so he headed the other way. Where are you going, hillbilly? Ernest cried through the window. We need to go the other way. Glenn scoffed. Relax, city boy, I know what I'm doing. Emily grabbed onto the handle of the door to brace herself as he screamed around a corner. If somebody like you said that on an internet video, I'd be expecting some painful comedy to follow, Ernest declared. Glenn hit the gas heading towards the first cross street headed east, taking it sharp, sending his buddy sliding around in the back. He chuckled as he heard Ernest groan and fumble, and Emily simply rolled her eyes at the friendly rivalry between the two. As they came around the corner, the street was thankfully mostly empty. See, easy peasy, city boy, Glenn declared. 
Just gotta go up a block before we turn to head up north, and then it's easy. He slammed on the brakes around the next corner, rubbing his forehead at the sight of a line of zombies about 30 yards up. Sailing. Ernest glanced over his shoulder and saw what they were up against. He stood up with a freshly loaded gun, leaning over the roof of the cab, and then smacked it. Let's go, I know what I'm doing, he called. Emily glanced at Glenn, and the cowboy just smiled and shook his head. Hold on to your butts, he said, and punched the gas. As soon as they started moving, Ernest began shooting, unloading shot after shot after shot. His first few were a bit wonky, only hitting one of four of his intended targets. Come on, city boy, shape up, Glenn yelled out the window. Ernest growled and racked in another round, firing and hitting his target in the head. Once he got used to the shifting of the truck, he quickly fired off several more rounds, dropping three more targets, all of them in the center of the mass, clearing a hole. Glenn hit the gas all the way to the floor, and the truck plowed right through the center of them, sending bodies flying left and right. The bump over the creatures lifted Ernest off of his feet a bit, causing him to let out a shriek before his feet touched back down on the back of the truck. The cowboy burst into gales of laughter. Real manly there, city boy, he cried, wiping fake tears from his eyes as Emily rolled hers. He glanced in the rearview mirror and saw Ernest stick his middle finger through the back window. Oh, does your hand have Tourette's too? Glenn called. Nope, just a foul mouth, Ernest called back. Clear of the zombies, the trio shared a relieved laugh as they headed north towards the Capitol building. Chapter four. Miles and Susanna drove the beat up muscle car down the road through the farmland. Matt stretched out across the back seat, staring out at the landscape rolling by, seemingly dazed. Are we taking Matt back to the ranch? Susanna asked. Miles shook his head. No, I'm gonna drop him off at the Mansfield place. Why so far away? She furrowed her brow. Why not the Johnston place? It's only a mile or so from the ranch. He rolled his window down a bit. Because several people from the ranch just moved into the Johnston place and it's packed, he replied. We just cleared out the Mansfield place a couple days ago, so it's mostly empty. He looks like he could use some rest and this is the best option. She pursed her lips, not looking convinced. Don't worry, her fiance assured her. We'll be close enough to check on him regularly. It's only a few miles up from the Johnston place, and we're only a few miles up from that. Matt began coughing in the back, wrapping his arms around himself. Are you okay? Susanna asked, turning in her seat. Do you want some more water? He nodded and extended his hand to take the bottle she offered. He opened it and took a few gulps to clear his throat. So we're not going to your ranch? he asked, voice raspy. No, not yet, she replied. It's a little crowded, so you'll be more comfortable out here. He shrugged, clearing his throat again. I don't mind crowds, you can take me to the ranch. The couple exchanged curious looks, pausing. He sat up straighter. I mean, I don't wanna be a burden, he explained. If the ranch is easier, I don't mind going there. It's no trouble, buddy. Miles assured him with a smile. We need to check in on these people anyway. Matt nodded and then leaned against the window again, staring outside. 
As they came up a long, winding driveway towards a large, two-story house, Miles honked the horn. As they pulled up, a young couple emerged from the front door. Anne reached the car as they got out, brushing her short, dark hair behind her ears as she smiled. Hey, how are you? I'm good, Miles replied. You and Felix doing well? He asked, inclining his head towards her husband. Getting settled in? Felix smiled underneath his bushy mustache. Very much so, he replied. It's so peaceful out here, not like living in the city at all. No traffic, no sirens, nothing. Pretty sure it's like that in the city now, too, Susanna retorted, and the young couple shared a nervous laugh. Miles gaped at his fiancée, eyes wide in shock at her bluntness. She wrinkled her nose and lowered her gaze in apology. What brings you by? Anne asked. Miles motioned to the car. We found somebody else from the city this morning, and he could use a nice quiet place to rest up, he said. Oh my, Anne gasped, putting a hand to her chest. Of course, we have an upstairs bedroom that nobody is using that we just got fixed up. Will that work? Miles nodded. That will be just fine, he replied. And say, wasn't there another couple staying here with you? Yeah, Karen and Bobby. Felix replied, jerking a thumb over his shoulder to motion behind him. They're in the back playing with their two youngsters. Susanna smiled, eyes lighting up. Youngsters, huh? How old? Six and eight, I believe, Anne replied. Both girls. You should tell them to bring them by the ranch tomorrow, Miles offered. We're going to be having a storytime campfire for the kiddos. Anne clapped her hands together. I think they'd love that. Felix, can you give me a hand? Miles asked, motioning to the car. The mustached man headed over to the back passenger door as Miles opened it, revealing Matt. They helped him out, his body still a bit weak, but they were able to walk him towards the house together. Hey, I'm, he stammered, I'm Matt. It's good to meet you, Felix replied gently. You don't worry about a thing. My aunt here is the best cook in the state so she'll get you right fixed up. Matt fell into a coughing fit again, and a bit of blood splattered from his lips onto the front walk. Are you okay? Miles asked, brow furrowed. The wiry man swallowed hard. Yeah, just hang in there, bud, Miles said gently. We'll have a doctor up here in no time to make you feel better. Anne trotted after them. And I'll get you some soup here after a bit, she promised. Got something I need to take care of first. Matt nodded as the boys headed up the steps into the house. Anne glanced at Susanna with a knowing look. We'll catch up, boys, Susanna called, and then leaned against the hood of the car. Are you okay? She asked, as the petite woman approached her. Yeah, I didn't want to worry our new friend here, because it's nothing really, Anne replied. Bobby said one of the girls was playing, and saw some zombies out at the edge of the property. Susanna stood up straight. I'll get my gun. No, no, it's okay. It can wait, Anne assured her, putting up her palms. They're tied up pretty good in the barbed wire, so they're not going anywhere. Bobby didn't have his gun on him, so we were going to take care of it. Susanna nodded, relaxing her shoulders. Well, if they're tied up, I wouldn't worry about it just yet, she said. Miles and I can handle it when we get back. We really need to get the dock from up at the ranch. You sure? Anne asked. Yeah, if there are zombies in the fence, 
There might be more out there roaming around, Susanna replied. Miles and I will do a sweep once we get back. Anne pressed her hands together as if in prayer. Thank you, she said sincerely. Miles came back outside and headed to the driver's side of the muscle car. You ready to run up to the ranch? He asked. Yeah, let's hurry though, Susanna replied as she walked around to the passenger's side. Got some critters tied up in the barbed wire, so we'll have to clear them out and do a sweep when we get back. Miles shook his head, chuckling. Day never ends, does it? He asked. She smiled and shook her head as well as she got in the car. Thank you, we'll be back in about 20 minutes, she said out the window. No rush, Anne replied with a wave. We'll take good care of Matt until you get back. Miles fired up the car, and they peeled out back down the dirt driveway towards the ranch. Chapter five. Glenn drove past the Capitol building, seeing signs of the carnage they'd left behind a couple of weeks earlier. The SUV that had wrecked on the entrance sat there, a monument to the ranch hand that had lost his life inside, the rest of the bodies of the dead that had been gunned down in their frantic attempt to escape. The group was silent as they passed, taking a moment of reflection out of respect for the dead. There were a few dozen zombies milling about, but most of them were closest to the entrance, so they weren't attracted to the rumbling of the truck engine. How much further up is this place? Glenn finally asked as they cleared the Capitol grounds. No clue, Emily replied. He just said it was east of the Capitol. Glenn eased off the gas. I'll take it slow then he said, and knocked on the back window. Hey, city boy, if you want to keep an eye out for trouble, we'll look for the hotel. You got it, Ernest replied, and then popped up to his feet, keeping a keen eye on the roads as they passed them, taking note of how many zombies there were. The first cross street was swollen with ghouls, a hundred, maybe a few more. The second cross street was similar, though the zombies were a few blocks down. Ernest shook his head clenching his jaw. One false move and we're gonna get swallowed up real quick, he thought. They drove a couple more blocks before Emily put her hand on Glenn's shoulder. Do you see it? He asked, looking around. She pointed to the building on the next corner, which boasted a sign that said, The Sand Rock Inn. It was a six-story building with a stone exterior. It looked like it had been there for decades something that with a little better upkeep could have been a tourist destination. There it is, Emily said. There were several zombies around the entrance, maybe half a dozen or so. Ernest knelt down to talk through the window. We got it, he asked. Yep, just up ahead, Glenn replied. How are those side streets looking? The less noise we make, the better, Ernest said, scratching the back of his head. Probably four, five hundred of those things just a few blocks away. Emily grunted in frustration. Guess that means no guns to get those by the entrance, she said. I'm okay with bashing a few heads, Ernest said brightly. Glenn shook his head. I got a better idea. He put the truck into four-wheel drive mode. Oh shit, here we go, Ernest muttered, and got down on one knee, bracing himself by holding onto the window frame. Glenn punched the gas, picking up speed. He sailed towards the entrance of the hotel, aimed straight at the zombies. He smacked into them while slamming on the brakes, and the truck skidded to a stop right by the door. 
Four of the six zombies hit the grill hard and went flying through the air, smacking into the pavement. The other two flailed around, trapped in their new makeshift playpen between the truck and the entrance. Ernest hopped to the ground and smacked one ghoul with the butt end of his rifle, cracking its skull open. Emily jumped down from the passenger's side and ran around to the front of the truck, smashing the other one in the face with her crowbar. Glenn got out of the driver's seat, a big smug smile on his face. What are you so happy about, Hillbilly? Ernest asked, raising an eyebrow. The cowboy rested a thumb in his belt, raising his chin. Scoreboard, he replied as he regarded his friend. Just beat you four to one. And if you can smack into about 50 more of those things today, Ernest shot back. You might catch up with me. The smile fell from Glenn's face, and he scowled. Well, I'll beat you that round at least. Ernest chuckled and opened the front door to the hotel. Fourth floor, right? Yep, Emily replied with a nod, keeping her crowbar handy. I'll lead the way, Ernest said. You get me the light. Glenn pulled out a high-powered flashlight, clicking it on and easily holding it over the shorter man's head as they entered the building. The lobby was very dark, as the windows in the old building were small. They did a quick sweep of the immediate area, seeing dust-covered tables and chairs, but no evidence of a struggle anywhere. Ernest nodded that he was headed to the left towards the outer wall. He got to the corner and turned, seeing nothing except a doorway halfway down. He motioned for the group to come over and slipped into the stairwell. He led them up four flights of stairs, completely devoid of zombies as if the building had been immune to the outbreak. He glanced back at Glenn, a questioning look on his face, and his tall friend shrugged and shook his head. Hell if I know, the cowboy murmured. When they reached the fourth floor, the door was slightly propped open with a small wooden pencil at the base. Ernest pointed at it brow furrowing in concern, and the other two frowned at the sight. He nodded to Glenn, who threw open the door to the fourth floor hallway, allowing his shorter companion to burst in. He quickly swept the area, finding that there was nothing all the way down. Emily, you're up, he said quietly, and the stocky woman moved forward quickly, heading up to the first door. She followed the numbers until she found room 418, she gently knocked on it while the others kept watch. Matt's mom, are you there? She called softly. We're friends of your son. He sent us to come and get you and your boy. There was no answer. She knocked again, this time a little louder, but there was still no answer. Okay, ma'am, we're gonna come in, Emily called and reached for the knob. Glenn put a hand over hers and shook his head, ushering her to the side. She stepped away, allowing him to try the knob first. He was shocked to find that it clicked open and turned to Ernest. His short companion nodded to show he was ready, and Glenn counted down on his hand from five to zero before throwing it open. Ernest burst in, just in time to see a small wire connected to the door glinting above his head. Deafening sirens filled the air, causing the trio to momentarily double over and cover their ears. They looked frantically around the hotel room, trying to find the source of the noise. Glenn followed the wire to the potted plant in the corner and turned it over, stomping on the mechanical box that fell out to quench the noise. What the fuck is going on? He cried as soon as the siren inside stopped, 
He thought his ears were ringing, but it was clear after a moment that there was still another siren somewhere bleeding loudly. Emily poked her head into the hallway. It's in the stairwell, she called. Well, let's go get it, Glenn yelled. Ernest held up a hand. Wait. What for? The cowboy barked. Ernest pointed out the window and then threw it open, causing the sound of the high-pitched alarm to flow inside to them. He stuck his head out and reached his arm out to one of the little mechanical boxes stuck to the outside wall several feet away. He grunted with the effort, but he couldn't quite reach it. He ducked back inside. Grab my belt, he yelled. What? Glenn threw his arms up. Grab my belt, hillbilly, Ernest screamed, and his companion finally complied, rushing over and holding onto his belt. Ernest leaned far out the window, aimed his rifle, and fired, destroying the little siren. Glenn pulled him back inside, and they listened for a moment, finding no more loud noise on the outside. We gotta get out of here, Glenn demanded. Emily approached the side window, looking out over the sea of zombies pouring in from side streets, all heading towards the hotel. He's right, she agreed, turning back to them. We gotta go, Ernest. The man in question didn't answer, simply staring at the wall, slack-jawed, his rifle limp in his hands. Snap out of it, city boy, Glenn barked, striding over. We need you. Ernest simply pointed to the wall, and the others turned to look, their eyes widening in realization. Scrawled across the wall in tall red letters read, Now I will inflict the pain that you inflicted on me. That son of a bitch, Glenn roared. I'm gonna kill him. Emily grabbed his arm to calm him down. We gotta live first, so let's go. Ernest quickly reloaded his gun to the max as they bustled out into the hallway. They rushed down the stairwell, and Glenn grabbed the last siren box on the way and smashed it beneath his boot with a scream of anger. With the silence came a new, terrifying sound, moaning. Light, Ernest croaked. I need light. Glenn fumbled with his flashlight, but finally managed to get it out. He shone it down to the next landing, and there were a few zombies on it. Without hesitating, Ernest fired three shots, taking them down efficiently. He darted down the flight, the other two following swiftly. When he reached the next door, a zombie emerged, and he fired, catching it in the head. Door, he cried, and Glenn put all his weight against it, shoving it closed hard. Ernest dragged the corpse out of the way so it could shut fully, snapping yet another pencil that had propped it open a tiny enough bit that the zombies had been able to push through. Next floor, let's go, he said, and led them down further, kicking closed the second floor door from its makeshift pencil stop, thankful that nothing was coming out of it. When they reached the first floor, he cracked the door slightly to survey the scene. His heart skipped a beat and he backed out, closing the door as quietly as he could. We're not going that way, he murmured, blinking away the image of the lobby filling with zombies. Second floor? Emily suggested. Maybe there's a fire escape. Glenn nodded. We can only hope. Ernest led them back up to the second floor, and the taller man opened it up so the city boy could burst through first. He noticed movement in the dim light halfway down the hallway, so he popped off several rounds to take them out. 
Glenn shone the flashlight, revealing a few more pallid, dead faces staggering towards them, and Ernest quickly dispatched them. Glenn aimed the light towards the wall, which had a fire exit sign with an arrow pointing to the left. Got it, he hissed. Down on the left. Ernest headed towards it, rifle at the ready, coming around the corner ready to fire. When he saw it was clear, he kept going and reached the window at the end of the hall, shoving it open. His heart sank at the sight of the intact fire escape, leading straight down into a veritable horde of zombies. Glenn let out a stream of obscenities, turning away from the window. Emily stepped up, calmly looking around for some sort of solution. Guessing you didn't bring a thousand rounds, she asked Riley. Ernest sighed. No, I'm afraid I left the bullet backpack at home. How many you got left? She cocked her head. He checked his pouch, rummaging around a bit, and hearing a fair amount of brass smacking against itself. A hundred, he replied. Hundred and twenty? Not enough to get us through that. He motioned to the groaning, rotted sea outside. Emily looked down the side of the building, noting a fenced-in area on the corner. Inside were a few large rolling dumpsters. What do you think about those? She asked, pointing to them. He looked, and then a sly smile grew on his face. I think you're a genius. Glenn turned towards them, scowling at the sight of his companions grinning like idiots. What in the hell did I miss? He demanded, throwing his hands up. Don't worry, hillbilly, Ernest quipped. You wouldn't have thought of it anyway. He patted the taller man on the chest as he walked by. Come on, I'm gonna need that light. Glenn was still confused, but flicked on the light and followed his companions, holding it high. They reached the room at the end of the hall, and Ernest tried the knob, but it was locked. All right, you're up, he said, stepping aside. Glenn shook his head as he approached the door. Emily, you might have to get cozy with this beanpole so he starts eating proper. He drawled as he took a strong stance. Need to put some weight on those bones. She blushed slightly, a small smile threatening her face, and stepped away from the door. Glenn gave it a forceful straight kick, which sent it flying inwards off of the latch. Ernest rushed in and quickly cleared the room before heading for the window. He opened it up and looked straight down at the two dumpsters about eight feet below them. He glanced over at the other side of the fence, the bulk of the zombies moving past them towards the front of the building. This is gonna work just fine, he said, smiling at the sight. Glenn looked out and down at the dumpsters, and raised an eyebrow at the cheap tarp material on the fences to help keep the garbage out of sight from the outside. You are out of your fucking mind if you think I can do that. It's as simple as falling off a bike, Ernest declared. His tall friend scowled. Well, before we go jumping, it might be a good idea to figure out what we're doing after we land. Emily peered outside, pointing at a big garage across the street that took up the whole block. The garage looks like a good option to me, she suggested. Get in on this side and get out the other. And how are we getting in? Glenn asked, crossing his arms. I see a window, Ernest replied, holding up his gun. And I got the key. The cowboy just shook his head, not thrilled with the idea of jumping out a window. Ernest reached out and grabbed the taller man's shoulder. Look, big fella, we need to do this, not just for ourselves, but to warn Susanna and Miles about that asshole. 
Glenn nodded jerkily, the fire back in his eyes at the mention of Matt. Geronimo it is then, he said, and approached the window. He stuck his legs out first and turned around, hanging by his hands and dropping down as gently as he could into the trash bin below. He landed on his back, under something squishy that squirted some gross, unknown garbage water all over his pants. He gagged a little, flipping over to scramble out of the bin. As he hit the asphalt, he motioned for Emily to come down after him. Just hang onto my arm and I'll lower you down, Ernest said, and held out his hand. She nodded, taking it and slipping out the window. He lowered her as far as he could, and then she looked down to see Glenn touching her feet. She let go, and he caught her around the waist as she went down. Ernest climbed out next, dangling from the window before leaping into the dumpster, landing on his feet in the trash. He vaulted out almost completely spotless, and Glenn glowered at him, still carrying the scent of the nasty perfumed garbage. Ernest simply smiled and winked at him, swiping his hands together. They crept quietly to the gate, seeing about two dozen zombies in their direct path to the garage. Ernest motioned to the others, pointing to the dumpster and then miming pushing it, and they nodded and headed behind the large bin. He quietly lifted the latch on the fence, wincing as it squeaked a little. He peeked through a flap in the tarp that one of the nearby ghouls was attracted to by the noise, and turned to walk towards them. Now, he hissed, and shoved the gate outwards, hitting the zombie and knocking it clear out of the way. Glenn and Emily shoved the dumpster as hard as they could, sending it rolling at a pretty good rate. It smacked into creatures and knocked them over on its travels across the street. Ernest rushed out with his gun up, firing rapidly into a few corpses that weren't in the bin's path. He darted forward with his gun in firing position, unloading several rounds into the window he'd targeted, shattering it. Get inside, he cried, motioning for the others. He continued firing, picking off targets close to his companions as they ran to safety. Glenn reached the window first, quickly breaking away the excess glass at the bottom so he could dive inside unscathed. He leapt to his feet and did a quick sweep, relieved to find that the garage was empty. It's clear, he called and lashed out to catch Emily as she hopped headfirst through the window. He set her on her feet, and she nodded her thanks, turning to the open hole. Come on, she yelled to Ernest, who was firing away as he backed towards the window. When he reached a few feet away, he dove inside, landing hard on the ground, just as the mass of rotted flesh reached where he'd been standing. Emily and Glenn pulled their handguns and fired several times, hitting a few creatures in the head, the corpses slumping and blocking the window. Are you okay? Emily asked, as she helped Ernest up from the ground. He grinned as he stood up. I can officially check off dumpster diving from my bucket list. You did good, she said, patting him on the shoulder. Ernest nodded and watched as Glenn headed over to the window, adjusting dead limbs to make sure it was plugged up. How we looking, hillbilly? He asked. I wouldn't recommend that we set up a permanent residence here, the cowboy replied, but it'll give us a minute to catch our breath. Ernest looked around the garage, noting several older cars parked about. Good, that'll give us time to check these out, he said, waving his hand at the vehicles. Who knows, maybe we'll get lucky and they're just in here for a tune-up.
Chapter 6 Miles drove Susanna and the doctor up the driveway of the Mansfield property. They bumped around a little on the dirt road, sending the older man in the back seat flailing about. Sorry about that, Doc, Miles apologized to the balding doctor. He righted himself in his seat and smiled, shaking his head. No worries, he assured the younger man. Just takes me back to my horse riding medical days. Horse riding medical days? Susanna gaped. The doctor nodded. Treated a lot of farmhands over the years. And you know what the one thing most of them have in common is? What's that? She asked. His eyes twinkled. They don't seem to get hurt near places with easy vehicle access. The young couple chuckled as they pulled up to the house. Miles shook his head and turned off the car, opening his door. Close the doors, Susanna said suddenly, and the doctor froze, his half open as well. What? Miles asked, not complying. Get in and close the doors, she demanded. They finally followed her instructions, slamming their doors shut and staring at her curiously. What's going on? Miles asked. She pointed through the windshield. Look at the front door. They did so, and noticed that it was wide open. This would be a normal thing on a farm in the summer, but downright odd in the winter, especially without there being any power to heat the place. That's, the doctor trailed off. That's a bit out of the ordinary. Susanna poked her fiance in the arm. Honk the horn, she instructed. Miles complied, laying on the horn for a solid few seconds. They waited, but nothing happened. You got your gun handy, he asked. Susanna cocked her handgun. Yep, yep, the doctor added, holding up his own gun. When the young couple stared at him, he shrugged. What, I'm supposed to do no harm at my job. Technically, I haven't clocked in yet. Miles chuckled and then shook his head. Still, you stay here, he said firmly. You're way more valuable to the community than anyone else, unless someone is going to med school and not telling anyone. Lock the doors, keep your gun handy, Susanna instructed. And if anybody you don't recognize comes up, don't hesitate to shoot them. The older man nodded firmly, and as they got out of the car, he hurried into the front seat. Miles and Susanna moved slowly towards the house, handguns at the ready. They made sure to keep a close eye on the corners of the exterior, in case someone or something tried to get the jump on them. As they got to the door, they backed up to either side of the entrance, sharing a glance. After a nod, they burst in through the open door, quickly clearing the front lobby and the room to the right. Miles took the lead, moving down the hall, but Susanna grabbed his shoulder to stop him. He startled, but she pointed down at the ground. He noticed the large pool of blood he'd almost stepped in, with tracks coming out of it that ran straight to the back on the hardwood floor. He leaned in and whispered, I'm going to check the upstairs. He inclined his head to the staircase. Stay here. We go together, she hissed, shaking her head vigorously. You're a better shot than I am, he whispered back. If I come running down those stairs, I trust you to take out whatever is chasing me. She bit her lip. She didn't want him to go but she knew he was right, and it was the smarter play. Plus, he just admitted she was the better shooter.
Declarations of that magnitude came along so infrequently in long-term relationships. She nodded jerkily. Miles raised his gun, pointing to the landing as he walked carefully up, step by step. When he got to the top, he looked down the hallway. There were two bedrooms on either side of the hall, both doors closed. At the far end was the bedroom that they'd taken Madden to rest not even a half hour ago. He slipped a little, and then clenched his jaw at the sight of the fresh blood on the floor in the middle of the hallway. He took a deep breath and regained his footing before continuing his careful walk. He steeled himself to enter the bedroom, unsure he wanted to know what he would find. He leapt into the far corner of the hallway, aiming at the bed, and then his gun arm fell, bile rising in his throat. Matt was gone, but in his place was Felix, his throat slit, eyes glassy and dead. Miles shook as he approached, retching, and pressed two fingers against his sticky throat, even though he knew in his gut it was useless. No pulse. He shook his head, trying to blink away the image of Felix's horrified dead face, and left the bedroom. He quickly checked the other two rooms, finding them empty and undisturbed. As he exited the final room, he walked at a deliberate pace to the stairs. He held up his hand to let his fiance know he was okay as he descended. He leaned over when he reached the bottom and whispered, Felix is dead, Matt is gone. Susanna blinked at him in shock, swallowing hard, but nodded jerkily, focusing on their task. She motioned towards the hall where the crimson footprints led. They paused at the next two rooms, the living room and a study, both of which showed no signs of struggle. One of the boards creaked as they moved, causing the young couple to freeze for a moment. There was a soft thud from the pantry, and they both hurried into the kitchen. Their quickened pace startled the pantry dweller, causing more noise to come from within. You in the pantry, come out now! Miles demanded, pointing his gun at the door. It didn't open. Last chance, he called. He nodded to Susanna, and she grabbed the handle, waiting for him to nod again before throwing it open. He moved forward, but immediately held the weapon up in the air, putting out his free hand. Susanna gaped at him, unsure of what was happening, and then peeked around the door. Two young girls cowered in the corner together clutching each other with tear-streaked, terrified faces. Girls, she blurted, and moved into the doorway, crouching down. Are you okay? The smaller one shook her head and buried it into her sister's shoulder. Are either of you hurt? Susanna asked. The older girl hesitated, but then shook her head. We're, we're okay, she stammered softly. Do you know where your parents are? Susanna asked. Both girls tensed, and the older one sniffled. The bad man hurt them, she said, voice quivering. Susanna's heart dropped. Do you know where they are? The little girl pointed towards the back door, and Susanna motioned with her head for Miles to check it out. He walked slowly to the open door, peering out to see the couple laying face down in the yard. He clenched his jaw and then turned back, shaking his head. Susanna schooled her expression into a brave face before turning back to the little girls. Do you know where the bad man went? She asked gently. 
The little girl gasped through her sobs. Him and Miss Anne walked towards the monster I saw, she stammered. Adrenaline pumped through Susanna, but she kept her eyes calm so she wouldn't scare the girls any more than they already were. You're doing very good, honey, she cooed. Now can you point to where you saw the monster? The girl hesitated, but pointed to the east before wrapping her arms back around her little sister. Okay, thank you. You did good, Susanna praised gently. Now I need you to be brave right now, okay? Can you do that for me? The girl swallowed hard and nodded. Okay, I need you to come to me and grab on, she instructed. I want you to put your heads on my shoulders and close your eyes until I tell you it's okay to open them. Can you do that? Both girls nodded solemnly. Okay, good. Come here, Susanna said, and opened her arms. The little girls scurried towards her and wrapped their arms around her neck, burying their tiny, scared faces into her neck. She grabbed them and stood up, two quivering bundles. I'm taking them to the car with the dock, she said to Miles. Can you? She inclined her head to the backyard. Miles nodded and watched as she went down the hallway. When she got to the front door, he went outside, gun raised, prepared for anything. He went up to the man, finding a stab wound through his throat. The woman appeared to have a broken nose and a stab wound in her chest. He shook his head in disbelief, drawing his lower lip between his teeth. Susanna emerged from the kitchen, finding him standing there, bewildered. The girls are safe, she said. Are their parents? Both dead, Miles said tersely. Stab wounds. He clenched his fists. I'm going to murder this motherfucker six ways from Sunday. Get in line, Susanna agreed. But we have bigger problems. His brow furrowed as he turned to her. What? The little girl said the bad man took Anne to where the monster is, she replied. He looked confused for a moment, and then realization dawned on his face. Why would they go to the zombie? Whatever the reason, it can't be good, she said, letting out a deep whoosh of breath. Miles led the charge towards the east, where the zombie had been tangled up in barbed wire, as per Anne's report earlier. Got something, Susanna hissed, skidding to a stop to look down at some tire tracks. Miles ran a hand through his shaggy hair. God, he's not on foot. They picked up the pace, running the half a mile to the fence. There were two zombies tangled up in the barbed wire, so much that it was impossible for them to break free. Neither one of them is Anne, Miles mused. Susanna's breath caught in her throat. Look, his mouth. She pointed to the front zombie, dripping fresh crimson from its maw. What the hell is going on? Miles breathed as the zombie found a small bit of flesh it hadn't ingested earlier, chewing on it and agitating its undead friend. Susanna looked at the tire tracks, which ran parallel to the fence and the road. Oh God, she said slowly, putting a hand to her chest. That's the direction of the Johnston place. There's 14 people there, Miles growled. And if this maniac infected Anne, they looked at each other and then sprinted for the car. As they approached, the doc got out of the driver's seat, 
gun at the ready. What's wrong? He asked. You and the girls need to stay here, Susanna instructed as she skirted the car. Go to the front room, lock it up tight, and wait for someone from the ranch to come get you. The old man shook his head. I don't understand. We may have runners, she said, eyes blazing. His face went pale, and he opened the back door of the car. Come on, girls. We're gonna go back inside and play some card games, he said brightly. You like card games, don't you? They reluctantly got out of the car, nodding and clutching each other. Susanna grabbed his arm as he passed her. Grab the front porch mat on your way in, she said quietly. There's a rather large blood stain by the stairs, and I don't think it would be good for those girls to see. He nodded and headed inside. Susanna, we gotta move, Miles said from the driver's seat. She ran to the passenger side and jumped in, slamming the door behind her. Let's go. Chapter seven. How in the holy hell can you have half a dozen prime looking vehicles like this? And not a single damn one of them runs, Glenn groaned, scrubbing his hands down his face. Emily shook her head. Collectors collect for different reasons. Well, if you got a car that don't run, the cowboy replied, kicking the bumper of one of the beaters. You ain't a collector, you a junker. Ernest raised a hand. Totally agree with that. He raised an eyebrow as the others gaped at him. What? Cars are meant to be driven. No, not that, Glenn replied, waving his hands in front of his face. It's just, you agreed with me on something. Emily grinned. We'll mark the day and time down, because the apocalypse just officially began. They shared a chuckle as they congregated in the center of the garage. So in all seriousness, Glenn finally said with a sigh. How the hell are we getting out of this one? he asked. Ernest turned towards the front of the building, peeking out through the slats in the blinds. There were still dozens of zombies on the road. Even without the sirens still blaring, they were moving in one direction and likely weren't going to stop until something gave them a reason to. Well, going out the front is a bust, he muttered. Unless you wanna watch me gun down half the population of Bismarck. Emily approached the side street window, peeking out at the handful of creatures close to the building. She strained to get the right angle to look further north, but she couldn't quite see. Looks like we can get out this side, she said, but I can't see anything past half a block up. Her companions sauntered over, taking turns straining to see at the right angle, but it didn't work. You got anything, city boy? Glenn asked. Ernest shook his head. Not a damn thing, hillbilly. He sighed and stepped back from the window. Emily crossed her arms. So what's it going to be, boys? She asked. You want to chance it? I mean, as much as I would love to spend eternity trapped in a mechanic's garage with you two, Ernest replied with a wry smile. I think we need to make a break for it. Glenn nodded. Agreed. He shrugged as the other two took their turn to gape at him this time. What? He started the apocalypse, I'm just continuing it. How are you two doing on ammo, Ernest asked, reloading his own from the pouch. Emily checked guns. I got a mag and a half on my handgun, and a few rounds for my rifle. She sighed, 
Of course, if we're running and gunning, it doesn't do us much good. Four in the rifle, 20 in the handgun, Glenn reported. Ernest took a deep breath. Well, I think it's safe to say, you two only shoot when absolutely necessary, he declared. If we do run into trouble, I'll do what I can to pick the ones on the side off to give us a path. The Capitol building is two blocks to the west, so there's a good chance we're going to run into a lot of company, Emily warned. Glenn held up a fist. Then we bust through them. How far north do you think we need to go? Ernest asked. Two blocks up, Emily replied, motioning with her hand. Then we start heading to the west. Glenn furrowed his brow. But won't that take us through the Capitol grounds? Yep, which is nice and hilly, Emily confirmed. Going to be a lot less likely those things are going to be able to bunch up on us. The cowboy nodded in appreciation. Well, hell, girl, he declared. It's clear you thought this through. Let us in on everything. Okay, she began, using her hands as she spoke. We get past the Capitol, work our way through the small neighborhood beside it. If we can get a car, great. If not, the golf course is right next door. Glenn snapped his fingers. And that'll take us up to the I-94 bridge on the north side, he grinned. Yeah, I can dig it. I trust you, Ernest added with a shrug. Just consider me to be along for the ride. If you want something shot, just point. She smiled at him and headed away from the window. Glenn smacked Ernest on the shoulder and leaned in. I think she's sweet on you, city boy, he whispered conspiratorially. Ernest froze. Wait, really? His eyes widened. Nah, you're just playing with me, right? I swear I'll never understand how someone so oblivious could make enough money to afford a shiny rifle like that, Glenn said, shaking his head in bewilderment. Ernest rolled his eyes. And I swear I'll never understand how you know what oblivious means. They shared a laugh, and the shorter man clapped his friend on the back. Thanks for telling me, he said quietly. I appreciate the observation. Glenn puffed out his chest. What are hillbilly wingmen for? They turned towards the woman in question as she looked around on the tool wall. You about ready to go? Ernest asked. She held up a hand. Almost, she said. Just need to pick up some essentials. She picked up an old leather tool bag the size of a large purse and headed back over to the confused men. You women and your handbags, Glenn said, raising an eyebrow. Ernest immediately smacked him on the arm, and the cowboy playfully rubbed it, as if it had actually hurt. Emily rummaged in the bag, pulling out a handful of wrenches and ratchets, some up to a foot long. Okay, I'm lost on this one, Ernest admitted scratching the back of his head. She smiled and tossed the tools back into the bag. Never know when we're going to need a distraction, she said, and jiggled the bag, making a racket of metal clanking against metal. Glenn nodded. Oh, she's a smart one. Coming from you, I'm sure it means absolutely nothing, hillbilly, Ernest quipped. The cowboy barked a laugh. Come on, he said, let's get out of here. They stood by the window, plotting their move. There were easily 20 zombies still in the immediate vicinity, but they were spread out fairly well. What do you think? Emily asked, turning to Ernest. He pursed his lips for a moment. 
The hardest part is going to be getting out of this window, since we have to go out one at a time, he said. I can cover you, but it's going to be loud. So I was thinking we could try out one of your decoys, throw it against the wall of the building across from us, hopefully draw some of them that way. He pointed in the direction he meant. As soon as we're out, we start running and don't look back. And if they don't bite, Glenn asked. Ernest held up his rifle. Then they get a bullet in the face. I'm in, the cowboy replied, raising his fist in solidarity. The trio readied themselves by the window, the men on either side, each with a hand on the base. Emily held a large foot-long wrench, readying to wind up and throw. She nodded, and they shoved the window open. As soon as it was clear, she stepped forward and whipped the tool with everything she had, and they closed the window quickly behind it. The trio watched as the wrench soared through the air, landing just short of the building across the street. The heavy metal clanged loudly on the pavement, drawing the attention of most of the zombies nearby. As the ghouls converged on the tool on the road, Ernest opened the window again. Go, he hissed. Glenn struggled to get through the thin opening, but he squeezed through and lowered himself to the ground as quietly as he could. He moved to the side to get out of the way. The zombies had all turned their attention towards the wrench, save for the closest one that heard his boots hit pavement. The old tattered corpse slowly turned and moaned, reaching rotted hands as she shambled towards him. Emily threw another wrench, hoping to clear the zombie and make noise behind it, but it hit it in the shoulder and fell to the ground beside it. The noise immediately attracted the rest of the horde that had been distracted, and they turned back to the live humans. Go now, Ernest urged. Emily quickly clambered through the window, and as soon as she was clear, Ernest opened fire. He shot seven times in rapid succession, knocking down five zombies in the front of the pack. With a few seconds bought, he dove out the window to join his companions. Glenn fired twice, hitting the next two closest zombies as they headed north. They broke away from the alley, but the gunfire attracted creatures from the north that turned towards the gunfire. When they got to the first intersection, they saw a few dozen zombies pouring into the road ahead. Which way? Glenn asked, whipping to look towards the Capitol building to the west a few blocks. There could be a ton of them around the Capitol, Emily said, turning to Ernest. The wiry man shook his head. But we know there's a ton of them to the north, he countered, pointing to the wave of zombies up the road. Fuck it, good enough logic for me, Glenn cut in, and took off running westward towards the Capitol building. The other two rushed after him, moans growing in volume behind them as the two groups of zombies convened in the intersection and headed after them. Within half a block of the Capitol, Ernest took the lead, slowing down from a run to a deliberate pace to maximize his aim. As they came around the corner on the last block, there were eight zombies blocking the most direct path to the grounds, looking like an undead tour group from hell. When I stop shooting, go to the right, Ernest instructed, and then took aim, firing off three shots and hitting the three creatures to the right in the head, dropping them. Go! Glenn took off first, leading the trio past the outstretched arms of the rest of the tour group, causing the zombies to trip over their fallen friends. When they reached the hilly grounds of the capital, they saw it ran the equivalent of four city blocks to the west. 
they skidded to a slower pace as the zombies were thinned out due to the terrain. They got to the top of the last hill before the neighborhood, easily dodging and emerging without a zombie even within 50 yards of them. When they crested the hill, they froze at the sight of a hundred ghouls between them and the first row of houses. Guessing them wrenches ain't gonna do much on grass, Glenn muttered. Emily let out a deep breath. Afraid not, she sighed. Ernest looked down intently as he reloaded his gun, wheels turning in his brain as he calculated shots in his head. Emily cocked her head. You see something? She asked. I think I can make it work, he said. But it's gonna suck. Glenn barked a dark laugh. That describes this whole damn day, city boy. Just wait, Ernest warned. The cowboy sighed heavily. So which side are we going through? Emily asked, turning to face him. He stared at her, ignoring the sun glinting off of her sandy brown locks, curiosity in her pretty eyes. Do you trust me? He asked. With my life, she replied immediately, and the response made his chest tighten with something he wasn't ready to deal with just yet. He motioned to the horde. We're going through the center. What in the hell kind of look did you just give him, girl? Glenn exclaimed. It scrambled his brain. He shook his head vigorously. Plus, I'm insulted that you didn't ask me if I trusted you. Ernest smirked. Well, I already know you do, he insisted, because we've been zombie hunting partners for two weeks now. That wasn't because I trusted you, city boy, Glenn shot back, pointing a finger at him. That's because I drew the short straw. Ernest put a hand over his heart. I guarantee after this, you're gonna trust me. Glenn growled, scrubbing his hands down his face. Okay, he finally said. What harebrained scheme you come up with now? You're going to get ahead of steam and barrel through the center of them, and Emily is going to follow you, Ernest said, pointing straight through the horde. Glenn crossed his arms. And what the hell are you gonna be doing? Picking off as many as I can on the sides, he explained. Once you're through, I'm going to take off, hopefully getting through before the opening closes. Emily shook her head vigorously. That's crazy, she insisted. You just need to come with us. They're too thick, Ernest replied. You're going to need someone expanding the hole you're creating, or else they'll just collapse on you. He shot Glenn a pointed look, and the cowboy nodded, hooking a thumb into his jeans. City boy here is right, he added. And don't worry, when we get across, we can clear the path for him. Emily clenched her jaw for a moment, and then took a deep breath nodding jerkily. Okay, let's do it. The trio walked down the hill, closing in on the horde for the plan to take fruition. You're one crazy bitch, city boy, Glenn said with a sigh. We'll see you on the other side. He turned to Emily. You ready? He waited for her nod, and then held up a fist. Okay, stay on my ass. He took off running, and she moved close behind him. He picked up a head of steam, crashing into the front edge of the horde. The first one he hit flew off of its feet, crashing into a couple of others directly behind it. There were about a dozen zombies remaining in their path. As soon as the cowboy made contact, Ernest started shooting. 
He started with the right, popping off three quick shots, dropping three zombies, before switching gears to do the same on the left. After the initial shots, he stepped forward and fired again. Glenn shoved a teenage zombie aside with such force it flew through the air, crashing hard onto the ground. As it landed, the zombies beside it turned, and their heads exploded from Ernest's precise shooting. The cowboy approached the end of the mass, grabbing the last zombie in front of him by the throat, a young petite girl missing a chunk of flesh from her once pretty face. He drove it back before turning and whipping it back towards the horde to trip some of their pursuers up. Ernest unloaded several more shots, expanding the hole to maybe 10 feet wide, several zombies flopping about on the ground. He aimed at one more creature, but the trigger gave nothing but a dead click. Damn, he muttered, and then took off running. He kept a white knuckle grip on his rifle as he approached the front edge of the path, leaping over a downed zombie that struggled to get back to its feet to eat. The creatures around him turned towards his huffing frame as he landed, and he had to weave back and forth to avoid their outstretched hands. He darted to the left and ducked a zombie closing the gap, scrambling back the other way. As he made it halfway down the path he'd made, the walls began to close in. He pumped his legs as hard as he could, trying to beat it out, but it didn't look good. Rotted fingertips brushed his body on the way by. They were getting too thick. Gunfire erupted in front of him, and then bodies began to drop to the left and right. A zombie jumped into his path, and he dropped into a slide as if he were stealing second base to get underneath the clumsy ghoul. He popped back up on the other side and staggered forward, falling directly onto his face at Emily's feet. Glenn grabbed the back of his shirt and hauled him back up to a standing. Come on, city boy, no time to rest, he said, patting him as he steadied himself. The trio rushed into the neighborhood, trying to leave the horde behind, and cut through a yard to get to the next street. The enraged mass of death pursued them with moaning vigor. They cleared the first row of houses, stopping for a moment on the empty road. Road or houses, Emily demanded. Ernest motioned vaguely ahead, still trying to catch his breath. Let's, he huffed. Let's keep going straight until we have a reason not to, he suggested. The yards will trip them suckers up more than the road will, Glenn added. Emily nodded and led the trio running through the closest backyard. A few yards later, there was a chest-high chain-link fence, and they hopped over it, stopping to take a quick breather since they had a barrier to protect them. How much further up is the golf course? Ernest asked. Emily cocked her head. Three, maybe four blocks, she replied. Good, let's keep pushing until we get there, Ernest said. Glenn raised a hand. Then can we take a break, he asked. At least, until I can feel my legs again. The shorter man cracked a smile, patting him on the back. And then when we get back tonight, we'll drink until we can't feel them again. Glenn raised a triumphant fist. Em, just so you know, he said, pointing a finger at his friend. This man's a keeper. Chapter 8 Miles and Susanna sped towards the Johnston farm, 
only a few miles away and perilously close to the prime dude ranch that Miles called home along with dozens of others. As they raced down the road, Susanna spotted the turnoff, barely noticeable given the barren landscape. Here it is, here it is, she cried. Miles slammed on the brakes, jerking the wheel hard to the right, sending the muscle car into a skid. As soon as he was lined up with the driveway, he punched it, the tires squealing before they grabbed asphalt, and then fishtailing a bit as they went from pavement to dirt. He hit the brakes again about 15 yards from the house, and the couple studied it with wide eyes. The front door was open, and one of the front windows was completely shattered. There wasn't a soul in sight. With 14 people living here, someone should be around, Susanna said quietly. Miles swallowed hard. Should I honk the horn? He asked. She pulled out her handgun, checking to make sure there was a round in the chamber. Do it, she said. He laid on the horn, and within moments, two corpses rushed out of the house, standing on the front porch, roomy eyes looking around frantically. Oh, God, Susanna moaned at the sight of the two dead men with fresh, gaping slits in their throats. The new zombies sprinted towards the car, splitting apart, one attacking each side of the vehicle. They smashed against it, teeth gnashing against the glass in an attempt to get at the tasty treats inside. How do we do this? Miles asked, heart pounding at the sight of the fast zombies. Susanna took a deep breath. I'm going to shoot mine in the head through the glass, she informed him. I'd recommend you do the same. She aimed, but before she could pull the trigger, her fiance grabbed her arm. Wait, he said. She narrowed her eyes at him. What? she demanded. Miles readied his gun and aimed at the passenger window into the face of the thrashing creature. What are you doing? Susanna asked. If you miss, he's going to be on top of you quick, Miles explained. Just want to make sure you have a backup. She nodded, thankful for her other half balancing out her hot temper. She leaned back in her seat to protect herself should the bullet miss and to be out of the way of Miles' gun. Get ready, she said, and aimed carefully. She tracked the erratic movement of the ghoul, and when she managed to get into its rhythm, she pulled the trigger. The bullet shattered the glass, altering the trajectory slightly, hitting the zombie in the chin and ripping off its lower jaw. It didn't stop, lunging for the window, and Miles quickly pulled the trigger, catching it between the eyes and sending it flopping back onto the ground. Susanna breathed a sigh of relief. Thanks, babe, she gasped. Anytime, he replied with a nod. The zombie on his side continued to smack away, unconcerned with the opening on the other side. The fresh ghouls were faster, but at least they weren't any smarter. Susanna slid over to the window and gripped the frame, ready to slip up into it. When I tell you to, I want you to kick open your door, she said. What? Miles cried. It's going to be easier to shoot that thing from the window than it is through a window, she explained. He pursed his lips and then nodded. All right. He wrapped his hand around the door handle, preparing to thrust it open. Susanna got into position, her feet on the seat, gun in hand. Do it, she said. Miles waited for the creature to lunge for the door and then kicked it open as hard as he could. The force of the impact sent the zombie staggering back, 
and Susanna popped out of the window, aiming quickly. Up here, she cried, and as soon as the ghoul looked up at the noise, she fired, hitting it in the forehead. She slithered back into her seat, and Miles slammed his door, and the two of them breathed a quick sigh of relief. Could be 12 more of those things here, he finally said. Susanna rubbed her forehead. We really need more people for this, she said. No time, Miles replied, shaking his head. If these things get loose, it could be really bad. All of a sudden, there was a lone gunshot from inside the house. Did you hear that? Susanna asked, head snapping up. Her fiance nodded. Yep. They double-checked their weapons and then got out of the car. Let's go get them, Susanna declared, forcing her voice to stay steady. The couple walked cautiously up to the house, guns raised as they surveyed the area. As they got close to the house, they stepped up onto the front wooden steps, the wood giving a little creak as they moved. Miles stepped up to the door first, peeking down the long hallway that led to the kitchen. As he stepped through the threshold, a figure emerged from the kitchen, jerky and staggering. Got one, he murmured. Susanna stared at him. Well, shoot it, she hissed. He shook his head, knowing it would be too difficult to be precise in the darkened hallway, and not wanting to make noise unless it was a kill shot. He motioned for her to step to the side, and she took position up against the wall. He pressed his back against her side, and then gently knocked on the doorframe. The creature immediately screamed, a gargling, horrific sound, and ran towards the door. At the last second, Miles stuck out his leg to trip the ghoul, and it fell face first down the steps, a floral print dress billowing behind it. He immediately fired into the back of its head, and then whipped around to face the door. Two zombies ran for them, but hit the doorframe at the same time, getting tangled up in each other as they fought to get past each other to the fresh meat. Susanna shot one and began backing away, the second shot missing in her backpedaling. The creature leapt at her, sending them both tumbling to the porch. She pushed up against its throat, struggling to keep its snarling maw away from her face. Miles grabbed the back of the zombie's shirt, pulling it back, thrashing and biting the air, still trying to get at her. This left Susanna just enough space to fire point blank into the ghoul's face. Blood and brains splattered across the porch, narrowly missing her fiance's face. He ignored it and threw the body aside, reaching down to help her up. Are you okay? Miles asked. Susanna nodded, a little dazed, and then looked down at the zombie in the flower dress. Oh God, that's Anne, she moaned. Christ, is Matt driving zombies around now? Miles asked. There was another muffled gunshot from inside the house, and they looked at each other, then up at the second floor. They rushed inside and began climbing the staircase, guns at the ready. When they got halfway up, Susanna spun around to cover the rear, just in case there were any more on the main floor. As they moved, they could hear moaning and banging on a back bedroom door. A large skylight in the hallway provided some light to the area. Miles got most of the way up and peered through the railing, seeing three zombies pressed up against a door, with one dead one on the ground. Little rays of light poured through the door, as if someone had shot through it. The couple reached the top landing, remaining silent. Miles mimed whistling to Susanna, 
and she nodded, putting her fingers in her mouth and letting it rip. The sound reverberated through the closed-off upper hallway, drawing the attention of the three creatures instantly. They immediately broke from the door and tore towards them. Susanna fired once, hitting the lead one in the face. The other two pushed through it, not tripping up, and Miles lowered his shoulder, smacking into the next one and shoving both of them into the banister. The wood gave way, and both creatures tumbled down to the main floor, bones and wood cracking simultaneously. The young couple immediately aimed down, firing several rounds into the corpses as they struggled to get to their feet. Hello? Somebody called as the firing stopped. Hello? Miles called back, immediately turning to the bedroom. You're safe. We're going to come in now. Hang on, the woman replied, and then there was the click of a lock, and then she slowly opened the door. Kim, Susanna gushed, rushing towards the open door. The middle-aged woman stepped aside, revealing three other people huddled in the corner of the room. What in the hell is going on? Kim asked. We were hoping you could tell us, Susanna replied. Hell of I know, the older woman cried, throwing up her hands. We was just sitting here enjoying the day when somebody pulled up in a van. They honked a couple of times and drew some people over. We thought it was just somebody from the ranch. Next thing we know, the sliding door opened and out came a zombie. I scrambled to get as many people locked up as we could, but there were so many of them things running around within minutes. Miles furrowed his brow. Are you for the only survivors? As far as I know, Kim replied, swallowing hard. Unless you saw somebody downstairs. Susanna did a mental count of corpses and shook her head. There's three more of those things out there. Well, shut the damn door then, Kim demanded. Miss Kim? Young Georgina asked from the corner. Everyone turned to her, and she blushed crimson, mouth opening and closing as if she didn't know what to say. What is it? Kim prompted. She cleared her throat. I, I saw the man in the van before you came and got me, she said. What did he do, honey? Susanna asked. The young girl's eyes widened. He... He pulled some of the bitten people into the van, she said, and the adults exchanged a worried look. He's going for the ranch, Miles said quietly. Kim shook her head. What are you talking about? Just, Susanna took a deep breath. You stay locked up here, she finally said. Somebody will be coming for you real soon. Kim jutted out her chin. But, Kim, Susanna snapped. Stay locked up until we come back. The older woman nodded jerkily. Nobody's getting in here until you come back. Susanna nodded. Thank you. She turned to Miles, and they readied their guns, thundering down the stairs to the car. Chapter 9 Emily, Glenn, and Ernest took refuge in a golf course outdoor dining area, staying out of sight. Emily looked out through an opening in the fence, seeing several dozen zombies wandering aimlessly around the course, none of which were particularly close. Whenever you guys are ready, it looks safe to move, she murmured. Glenn put up a hand, massaging his leg with the other. I just need another minute, he admitted quietly. Wrenched my knee pretty good busting through them. Suck it up, hillbilly, 
Ernest joked as he reloaded his rifle. We're almost home. You can numb your pain with bourbon when we get back. The cowboy sneered. What, city boy? You don't want to kiss it and make it better? In your dreams, Ernest replied with a grin. Emily continued to scan the area and then focused on a golf cart. What if we hitch a ride? There a car nearby that you have the keys for? Glenn asked. She shook her head. Car? No, she said. Golf cart, however. The men slid over to her position, looking out and seeing the large four-person golf cart sitting by a tree 40 yards away. That's a great idea, Glenn drawled. But I'd be surprised if it still had any charge left on it. Emily shook her head. Doesn't need a charge, she explained. Cold weather climates like this, a lot of courses go with gas carts. Saves on battery replacements. Definitely worth a shot, Ernest agreed. If for no other reason than it will keep his whining to a minimum. Glenn opened his mouth, but then closed it again when he realized he didn't have an argument. Cover me, Emily asked, nodding to Ernest. He smiled and held up his weapon. Let's go get it. They popped out of the dining area, jogging towards the cart. Ernest kept his gun at the ready as they approached it, just in case something jumped out at them from behind the trees. One of the zombies in the distance, about 50 yards away, turned towards the movement and shambled in their direction. Ernest kept a close eye on it as Emily hopped into the driver's seat. She flipped a few switches and then hit the starter. It rumbled for a few seconds and then finally turned over. We're in business, she exclaimed. Ernest got into the passenger side and she drove them back to the eating area. Glenn hobbled out and dove into the back seat. Drive on, girl, he declared. She hit the gas, and they took off over the golf course. With the zombies so spread out, it was a leisurely drive, with no corpse coming within even 20 yards of them. We'll have to remember this in the springtime, Ernest declared. This could be a nice little Sunday drive. Glenn chuckled. Yeah, just wouldn't recommend the picnic, he added. Those critters are a bit more intrusive than ants. They reached the main road that led up to the interstate. There were a few zombies milling about, but they were easy enough for Emily to swerve around. When they reached the highway, things looked a little more difficult. A few dozen creatures staggered about on the far side of the bridge. Looks like they're on the westbound lane, Emily said. Ernest motioned with his gun. Hang a right here, it'll take us on the other side, he suggested. He checked his ammo. But if not, I'm ready. Emily nodded and took the turn, heading up the wrong side of the exit ramp in a circle, getting to the top and onto the freeway. They drove onto it, no more than half a mile away from the bridge. The immediate vicinity was clear on their side, but their buzzing presence attracted the zombies on the other side, pressing against the median barrier. After another quarter mile, Emily hit the brakes. That's disheartening, she said dryly. There were a hundred or so zombies on their side of the road, a veritable ton pressed up against the plow. Some of them in the back broke away and headed towards them. No way we're getting through that, Glenn said from the back seat. Emily took a deep breath. So now what? Is there enough fuel to make it to the Main Street Bridge? Ernest asked. She tapped the gauge, but it was nearly on empty. Not unless we're hiking most of the way. Well, it's a better option than this, Glenn declared. Ernest shook his head. 
Are you sure about that hillbilly? He asked. Could be three times as many down there, and we'll be on foot. Well, I'm open to suggestions, city boy, Glenn shot back. What about the old rail bridge? Emily asked. It's no more than half a mile south of here. The cowboy's eyes widened. You mean that dilapidated piece of shit they were going to tear down because those kids fell through the rail ties? He asked. That rail bridge? Unless you know of another one, Emily retorted. Ernest cocked his head. Just walk on the rail like a balance beam, you'll be fine, he said. You've seen me walk, haven't you? Glenn threw his hands up. We'll get you across, Ernest said firmly. The zombies continued to move up the road towards them. The path to get to the side street started to close. Rail bridge it is, Emily said. Clear me a path? It would be my pleasure, Ernest replied, and started shooting at the left side of the horde. He fired slow, deliberate shots, taking the creatures down one by one. Emily hit the gas, picking up some bit of speed, or at least as much as a golf cart could speed. When they got close to the horde, she veered to the left, heading along the path that Ernest cleared for her. He kept aiming and firing, dropping the zombies as they got too close to the road. Hang on, this is gonna be bumpy, Emily warned and hit the grass. They slid down the hill and the cart fishtailed side to side. She fought to keep control and managed to make it to the bottom of the hill, hitting a small ditch and flying a few feet into the air, landing hard. She slammed onto the brakes as they skidded onto the road. Everybody okay? Emily asked, breathless. Ernest did a quick sweep, making sure no zombies were nearby. That's a mean driving, Em, Glenn declared. Not done yet, she replied, and then punched the gas pedal. They raced down the road towards the rail bridge. As they approached it, they spotted a horde of zombies in the lot just across the street from it, no more than 20 yards away. Ernest quickly reloaded as many rounds as he could as they raced towards it. We're going to have to move quick, he said. I'll cover the rear. If that bridge is as bad as you say it is, I doubt there will be many of them on there. Emily pulled up to the front of the bridge, the creatures already shambling towards them, arms outstretched. As soon as they stopped, they hopped out, and she led Glenn to the bridge, making sure to stay on the rail as opposed to the ties. Ernest turned around and opened fire, rattling off several rounds as he backed towards the bridge. The fallen zombies did little to hold back the group, and he turned and quickly hopped up onto the rail. He looked down and saw that several creatures had indeed tried to cross, as it seemed every other tie was snapped and fallen into the water below. The creatures moaned behind him, stepping onto the wood. Ernest turned and fired off several more shots, one of the monsters fell forward, hitting the decaying wood so hard that it fell right through, two zombies falling into the hole as they tried to get at their meal. Emily led the way across, getting halfway when she spotted a couple of zombies at the other end. She readied her handgun for when they got there, and then glanced back at Glenn as he grunted, struggling to stay on the rail. You good? She asked. He focused on the rail straight down in front of his feet, I swear if I live through this, I'm gonna practice the balance beam until the day I die. Just take it nice and slow, Emily said gently. And just be warned, in a few minutes I'm going to fire off a few shots. Glenn's head jerked up in a panic, and he flailed his arms, 
nearly losing his balance. Easy, easy, she said, holding out a hand. It's just a couple of them, I got it. You just focus on what you're doing. He nodded and then fixated back on the metal at his feet. Ernest fired off another blast of shots behind him, taking out the zombies that had managed to stagger past the hole. As Emily got to the end of the bridge, she aimed and fired, taking out the two creatures waiting for them there. She gracefully hopped off the rail onto solid ground, turning to wait for Glenn. He dove for the grass, landing on his knees, fisting the ground with elation. Ernest was about three quarters of the way across, backing slowly, pausing again to fire at the ghouls pursuing him. He stopped, the horde still easily in the several dozens. He flipped his rifle and used the butt end to smack away at some of the ties, cracking them all the way through. He did it to four in a row, creating a large hole for them to hopefully fall into. Come on, Emily called. Ernest steeled himself and moved quickly the rest of the way towards her, and then hopped down next to Glenn. He turned to see several zombies walk straight into the hole, splashing down into the water below. But there were still a lot behind them. We need to stay and make sure they don't get across, Ernest said. Emily nodded. Why don't I go get the truck, and you boys do what needs to be done? I can go with you, Em, Glenn offered, raising his hand from his kneeling position. She smirked playfully. And listen to you whine about your knee? She winked. I got you. She jogged off to get the truck, as Ernest continued to fire slowly, picking off the problem ghouls as they managed to skirt the hole. You're a hell of a shot with that thing, city boy, Glenn said as he got to his feet. Ernest chuckled and held out the rifle. Well, if you don't think it'll hurt your manhood too much, you can give it a shot if you want. Oh, what the hell, Glenn said, throwing up a hand. Let's see how the other half lives. He took Ernest's prized possession and took aim and fired, hitting a monster dead between the eyes. As he did so, his shorter friend found a rock and plonked himself down. What you doing? Glenn asked. Ernest grinned. Letting you have some fun. Chapter 10 Miles sped up the driveway to the ranch, hoping they would make it in time. When they came around the bend to where the house was, he spotted Matt standing beside a white van, his hands in the air. Mr. Eldon stood alone on the porch, aiming his shotgun at the interloper. Miles slammed on the brakes about 20 yards away and opened his door. Stay in the car, he said firmly. Susanna shook her head. I'm not gonna stay in the car, please he hissed. People may need to get out quick. She finally nodded and slid into the driver's seat as he got out, leaving the car running. Miles aimed his handgun at Matt, wandering forward, but staying out of the crossfire from Mr. Eldon's shotgun. What the hell, Matt? Miles demanded. Mr. Eldon raised his chin. You know this asshole? Yeah, we pulled him out of the city today, Miles explained. And then for some unknown reason, he went on a killing spree. The old man's eyes widened. Killing spree, he asked. Who'd he kill? Most of the Mansfield and Johnston Ranch, Miles replied icily. Mr. Eldon stepped down from the porch. You let me put him down and we'll, Matt waved his hand, jingling the keys on the ring around his finger. One more step, 
and I opened the van, he warned. As if on cue, a hard thunk came from the inside of the van, along with a bunch of moans and groans. Stand down, I got this, Miles said, holding his hand out to Mr. Eldon. The older man took a step back, though he didn't lower his gun. Good to see you again, Matt greeted, as casual as if he were discussing the weather. Miles growled. Can't say the sentiment is the same over here, he replied. I would imagine not, Matt said. Miles clenched his jaw. So I just gotta ask, he said through his teeth. What the fuck, man? We saved you. Bullshit, the bloodied man screamed, spittle flying everywhere. You killed me. You all killed me and mine. Miles' brow furrowed at the sudden outburst. What are you talking about? When you blocked off the city, what did you think was going to happen to those things, huh? Matt snapped, waving his hand in the direction of Bismarck. Did you think they'd just hang out? Well, let me tell you, they didn't. They came east, tens of thousands of them. His gaze darkened. We had nowhere to go, no way to fight them. I lost everyone because of what you did. He glanced between the men, seeming to take satisfaction from their pallid, sick looks as they digested what had happened due to their actions. I, Miles cleared his throat. I don't know what to say, Matt sneered. There's nothing you can say, he snapped. Nothing is going to bring them back, just like nothing is going to bring back your friends who went looking for my family in the city. What did you do, Miles demanded, eyes widening. Same thing they did to me, Matt replied licking his lips. I sent a horde of zombies their way. Miles fired in anger, roaring as he did so, hitting his opponent several times in the chest. As Matt fell to the ground, he hit the button on the key fob, and the van beeped as the door slid open. Runners, Miles screamed, and Mr. Eldon fired wildly, his eyes like saucers as the first zombie popped out. The buckshot ripped through the ghoul, but didn't kill it, the monster ran at him while the other two went for miles. Mr. Eldon racked another round in and fired, this time blowing the zombie's head into pieces just in the nick of time. The younger man shot at the other two running towards him, not having any luck hitting them in the head. When they reached within 10 yards of him, he fired one more time, hitting the neck and turned to run. He flew down the driveway, right past the car. Help, he screamed at his fiance as he passed her. Susanna popped the muscle car into gear, doing a burnout on the driveway to chase the swift creatures. She tore after them, quickly gaining on the running dead. She honked the horn when she came within striking distance to let Miles know she was about to make her move. She floored it, the engine roaring loudly as the car lurched forward. The front end popped off of the ground just a bit, enough to send the bumper into the waists of her enemies. As she did this, Miles dove to the side landing in the field, just as the car plowed through the spot where he would have been. Susanna slammed the brakes and jumped out of the car, gun in hand. The zombies struggled to crawl around, their backs broken from the impact. She fired two quick shots, killing both of them for the second time. She rushed over to her fiance, who sat in the grass, breathing hard. She didn't say anything, simply launched herself onto him, clutching his shoulders and burying her face in his neck. He held her back, 
heart rate finally settling as the adrenaline left his body, leaving nothing but exhaustion at the day they'd had. Chapter 11 Later that day, Miles and Susanna sat on the front porch swing of the ranch. Mr. Eldon brought out a few glasses of whiskey and handed one to each of them. Looks like you two earned this today, he declared. The young couple accepted the drinks, sipping and savoring. Thank you, sir, Susanna said with a happy sigh, tipping her glass in his direction. No, Mr. Eldon replied, straightening his shoulders. Thank you. If y'all hadn't done what you did, a lot more people would have died. She nodded, but didn't reply. She wasn't ready to accept praise, given the number of innocents who had died that day. The old man patted her shoulder and got up to go back inside. If you need a refill, just give a holler, he said. Miles offered him a smile. Thank you, he said. The young couple sat in silence for a time, rocking gently and sipping their drinks. They were both thinking about their trio of friends in the city, but didn't want to bring it up in case saying it out loud made it real. A few minutes later, an engine came rumbling up the driveway, and they got to their feet at the sight of the truck they'd left at the plow. Son of a bitch, Miles breathed. They made it. Susanna downed the rest of her drink and ran down the porch steps as they pulled up. She practically tackled Emily as she got out of the truck. We are so glad to see you, she gushed as she squeezed her. She hugged Ernest next, and then threw her arms around Glenn. Whoa now, girl, the cowboy said with a laugh. What's gotten into you? Miles approached slowly, setting his glass down on the porch on the way. Matt got into her. Yeah, where is that bitch? Glenn asked, holding Susanna at arm's length. I got a couple of boots that need planting in his ass. I put three rounds in his chest, Miles said calmly. Glenn blinked at him in shock. Oh, well, how oh, damn, he sighed heavily. Guess I can call it a day then. If you had to put three bullets in him, Ernest began. What in the hell happened out here? Miles shook his head as Susanna's gaze fell. I'll fill you all in later, he said, waving them off. Just, if you're the praying type, keep the Mansfield and Johnston farm people in your thoughts. The trio stayed quiet for a moment, contemplating that. So what happened to you? Susanna finally asked. Emily shook her head. He sent us into a trap, she said with a sigh. If it wasn't for our resident sharpshooter, we probably wouldn't be here right now. Just doing my part, Ernest said, scratching the back of his head nervously. Even Hillbilly here took down a few with my rifle. Glenn rolled his eyes. Come on now, city boy. Don't go spreading rumors around that I enjoyed using a twenty-two. he drawled. I got a reputation to uphold. A chuckle rippled through the group, breaking the tension a little. I really should be getting back to the house, Emily said, jerking a thumb over her shoulder. Florence is going to wonder where I am. Susanna nodded, reaching out and linking her arm through the older woman's. Come on, she said. I'll give you a ride. Glenn nudged Ernest. Go on now, he urged. The shorter man blushed, wringing his hands and stepped forward. Um, Emily? He asked, 
voice higher than usual. The girl stopped and turned around. Emily raised an eyebrow. Yes? Would you mind if I, um, cooked you and Florence dinner this evening? Ernest asked, drawing his bottom lip between his teeth for a moment. I mean, you've had a long day. Well, we both have, but you could take time to spend with her while I, you know, work in the kitchen and- She reached out and took his hand, silencing him. That sounds lovely, she assured him, and they shared a smile. If you want, city boy, Glenn piped up. You can take my car to give her a luxurious ride. Miles and Susanna shared a terrified look, and the latter quickly ushered Emily and Ernest away. Yeah, she cleared her throat. Why don't I give you both a ride and drop you off, she asked. Glenn turned to Miles as the trio moved briskly to the truck. Wait, what's going on, he demanded. What did y'all do to my car? So, the younger man drawled, putting a hand on the cowboy's shoulder. You know how we're doing a run to the library tomorrow, he asked. Glenn's brow furrowed. Yeah? Well, Miles said with a little wince, we're also going to be stopping by the junkyard too. The cowboy hung his head. My car ain't never gonna get fixed, is it? He moaned. Miles patted him on the back reassuringly. One day, big fella, he said, and led him towards the house. One day. End of book eight. Up next, Terrell is back in action as he faces off against the boss in Carolina Front, part five. <laughs>